You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Coronavirus and Sports. This is Luis Miguel Echegaray. Today... SI senior writer Pat Forty will be joining me to talk about the NCAA and how colleges and athletes across the U.S. have been coping as a result of the pandemic, which has forced many institutions to reconfigure their calendar and, most importantly, their budget. COVID-19 forced the world of sports to press the pause button, and the National Collegiate Athletic Association commonly known as the NCAA, is no different. But unlike professional stars who are somewhat in the middle of their careers aiming to ride this unprecedented wave, college athletes are right at the start of theirs, and their seasonal sport is, in many cases, the only shot to flourish, both physically and financially. And if you're not a big, well-known school, Canceling sporting events can have major ramifications for both the athlete and the future of the program. College sports are dependent on so many components, and now, during the outbreak, this dependency is going through its toughest challenge. Joining us now is senior writer, investigative journalist, author, Pat Forty. Pat, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Good to be with you. Equally, let's get straight to it, Pat. Uh, Let's begin with the NCAA as its recent news of extending eligibility to spring athletes. There are, however, several caveats. What are the nuts and bolts of this decision? Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's a complicated decision. It's actually, I guess I would say it's an easy decision to make. It's going to be a hard decision to implement. The decision itself is the right thing to do for the athletes and the spring sports and NCAAs who had their seasons cut off really for some of them before they ever began. And for most of them before they had gotten very far into them. Uh, So they were, they were basically just cut off at the knees by this. Obviously it was just, it was a decision that had to be made for public health and safety, but at the same time, uh, you know, it was a a bitter blow to a lot of those athletes, especially the seniors who were never going to get a chance to play their sports again from a college perspective and probably for most of them for any perspective. Uh, So 
that part makes sense completely. The hard part is going to be turning this into a workable, uh, feasible solution on campuses. And it's going to be different all over the country. But what you're doing, they, they took the scholarship caps off of all these sports, and that allows then for them to, to have more scholarships, which cost more money. This is a time when schools are estimating they're going to lose tons of money, both in terms of athletic revenue on the academic side. Uh, staff is probably going to be cut in a lot of areas. Uh, you know, revenue is going to be slashed coming in. So this is a kind of a daunting task to be adding when you're subtracting over on the other side. Uh, and and th there are other, you know, logistical issues involved of having now a team that normally would be, say, 25 people is now 30. You've promised these freshmen coming in you're going to get your chance to play. Oops, but now the senior class is staying, so there's going to be less playing time for those people coming in. Uh, there could be a lot of transfers out of this. There could be a lot of people decommitting from commitments they've already made and trying to go to other schools, depending on who's staying, who's coming back, and who is not. So just a lot of, uh, a lot of unknowns going into how this will actually be implemented. One specific point that you just brought up is really the financial standpoint from all these schools and scholarships. How difficult of a mountain is it? How much do you think they're going to have to deal with? Is it the biggest task really when it comes to economically making sure that this is all viable? Yes, that's definitely the biggest task is just the economics of this. And yeah, for a lot of schools, these are sports for the most part. This is baseball, softball, track and field, uh, tennis uh, that, that don't bring in revenue. These are sports that, that generally speaking, cost, you know, a lot of places a million or more dollars per year without bringing in much to, to balance the books. So now, U.S., you're asking these schools to spend more on those sports. And, and again, this is a time when I think there's going to be a lot of belt tightening coming up. And the uh, college administrators I've spoken to within the past week or so all have said, boy, we sure better play football in the fall because that's the revenue cash cow for everyone. And if you're going to be spending more money and making less, then you, you're going to need to make that up on the back end. And football is, of course, where that's going to be made up. So in the midst of all of the uncertainties over this virus, uh, a college football season is going to be pretty darn vital from a sports standpoint in terms of balancing budgets and, and keeping every sport viable on college campuses. You're obviously so involved with the college sports world, and one facet that we haven't yet touched on is is the athlete him or herself. How how much is this affecting them personally from a training perspective? Well, I mean, yeah, training is completely disrupted. Um, you know, no nobody is able to do much of anything at this point. Uh, it's funny. My kids are. I have two kids who are college swimmers. One of whose whom had his career ended by uh, this situation. You know, he was going to swim NCAA championships. That got canceled. Then he was going to swim Olympic trials. That got canceled. So he's done. My other uh, child, my daughter, is a, a junior at Stanford, but she's been home. She has been not been in the water for a couple of weeks now. And for swimmers, two weeks is about a lifetime being out of the water. And this is the case for many other athletes in many other sports, um, you know, that, that you are without any real means to practice your sport. You can do some cardio things to stay in condition. You can run, you can bike, you can do things like that. You, If you have a home gym, you can be lifting things. You can be doing push-ups and sit-ups, but you're not really training for your sport per se. It's interesting. A friend who has a couple of uh, daughters who are college volleyball players, 
Yesterday, I saw one of them pounding her uh, volleyball against the side of the junior high in the neighborhood, just trying to practice serves. She can't go inside and practice. There's nobody to practice with. So it is purely just what can you do? When can you do it? How can you do it? And the answers are not very satisfactory for most athletes, but that's the way it is. How are they doing personally? Uh, that my kids are, they're, they're doing fine. Um, you know, very, obviously very difficult for my son who literally, you know, had his career stopped and, uh, he loves his sport, loves swimming, wants to go into coaching. Uh, and so, you know, to have that taken away on the cusp of his last big hurrah was, was very difficult, but he's, he's doing fine with it. You know, he's processed that and, uh, ready to move on. He's going to go to graduate school and get a master's degree. Uh, my daughter, She's doing fine as well. Not as difficult for her because she will still have next year, obviously, and still have a, an Olympic trials in 2021. She, her life is not being completely upended per se. Now it's being adjusted. Uh, there's definitely, you know, she, she had a life plan of, of the last couple of years of this is how I'm going to train heading up to the Olympic trials. And if I make the team, it's going to go this way. And if I don't make the team, it's going to go that way. And now all of that is pushed back a year. Olympics sports in particular are planning intensive in four-year cycles basically and when all of a sudden that gets upended you just have to deal with it there's not much of the choice right now so obviously as you mentioned these are unprecedented times for athletes colleges etc but do you think at this point or at least how it's been evolving the ncaa is doing enough during the pandemic I think so. You know, I mean, boy, they're in a no-win situation. So are the colleges themselves who had to tell all their athletes and all their students, go away, get off campus. And, you know, we'll try to pick up classes online and we'll try, you know, I mean, everything is a mess. Uh, the colleges are in a tough position. The NCAA is in a tough position. I applaud the NCAA for, for making this gesture that they did to give these athletes on spring sports another year, doing it quickly. Uh, and then basically putting it in the hands of the individual schools to say, you know, you guys can give them the same scholarship or you can give them a little less. That's up to you to figure out. But the spot is there. You know, we're not going to, you know, mess with the cap on the sports. So I think the NCAA did fine by that. Uh, it's just going to be very difficult to work out. You know, the NCAA tried to hold on to the NCAA basketball tournament, which is a massive cash cow, runs everything in the NCAA as long as they could. They could not you know, salvage that. Uh, may, some people thought were a little bit critical of them for taking as long as they did to come to that resolution. I thought it was okay. I think they searched and searched for another solution. When that wasn't apparent, they pulled the plug on it. So the NCAA gets a lot of criticism for a lot of things. Much of it is justified. In this case, I think the NCAA has done the best it could do. Pat, much of the narrative that we've been talking about has been focusing mainly, I guess, on, you know, the, the giants, right? The D1 schools. What happens to these lower schools, these schools that really, even with college football, are, are relying so much on so many things from an economical standpoint? Yeah, that's a great point, is that, uh, you know, this is a, a much tougher task for them to try to, you know, add these spring sports scholarships back onto the books when you are not making the 50 plus million a year that big 10 schools are the 45 million a year that sec schools are making, you know, the 30 millions for the ACC and the big 12 and so on. Uh, you know, if you, if you're in one of these conferences that your, your cut per school is, is more like three or 4 million from revenue from media rights revenue, you know, that's not much in comparison. And so now, you are doubly tasked with how you're going to balance the books on this. And, you know, can you go to the academic side of campus and ask for some help from there? 
in an ideal world, yeah, but this is not an ideal world. And I'm sure on the academic side, they're worried about endowments and donor gifts and all sorts of things that could be drying up uh, as people are trying to weather this economic uncertainty. Pat, finally, we've talked a lot about, obviously, the work that you cover, but uh, I'm interested to know how you're doing. You know, you're somebody that travels a lot, you know, geographical theme-based stories are such a big part of what you do. How are you dealing with the situation in relation to you as a sports writer? Well, it's very different. That's for sure. I, uh, you know, it's funny, uh, just a, a little bit earlier today, my, my Delta app notified me that I should be getting on a plane tomorrow to go to the final four in Atlanta. <laughs> and I'm obviously not doing that. So, uh, you know, that sort of thing. I, for, for the first time I can remember, I have no waiting Marriott hotel reservations somewhere. Those have all been canceled for all these trips. Uh, it is very unusual. It's disorienting. Um, I wouldn't say it's, it's not been busy. It's been very busy because we've been writing all these stories reacting to what has happened and the cancellations and what's going to happen next and, and telling human interest stories about people who have been affected by, by the, the pandemic. But eventually that's going to run out, you know, next week, the week after, I don't know. And then we'll see, you know, then we're going to have to get a little bit creative as far as what we're doing to, to fill content. Because I do think while, while the rest of America and the rest of the world is sitting around with less to do, they're going to turn to the media and say, well, what can you guys do for us? And it'd be nice if we could do something for them and provide them some content. So there'll be some challenges for sure going forward in terms of how we're going to, uh, to fill that void. Something that I can relate too much to senior writer, author, journalist, Pat Forty from Sports Illustrated. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. What places college sports in a more delicate situation than the professional industry is that their athletes have a shorter expiration date. Unlike the pros, the longevity of a collegiate athlete is a result of its academic career and the seasons in which they play their sport. What's more, if you're not a college football or basketball player from a big school, the obstacle becomes that much bigger due to the fact that your college, quite simply, may not be able to afford your sport. Extending eligibility is a strong gesture, but it comes with certain cautions. And as Pat mentioned, the most important factor for schools right now is that everything returns to a certain level of normalcy by the time the fall comes around. But at this point, this is nothing else but hope, as like everything else, we're all just following the virus's direction. Thanks to Pat Forty for joining me today. We'll continue bringing you these stories throughout the coronavirus crisis. If you like what we're doing, please recommend us to a friend or family member and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find the show. You can listen to Coronavirus and Sports for free wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to subscribe or follow us for the latest episodes. Stay safe and we'll see you next time.